Lonnie and Kay were high school sweethearts. But over time, the never-ending conflict and their loss of love threatened to tear their marriage apart. When we filled out our forms with Focus on the Family, they asked us if we believed in a miracle, if we were willing to allow a miracle to happen. And, you know, with all my heart, that's what I wanted. Lonnie and Kay attended Hope Restored, where Focus counselors help heal and restore broken relationships, giving husbands and wives godly hope for the future. I guess what I'd say is I cherish her now more than I did before, and I, and I have a way that I can communicate to her that I did not have before, and Focus on the Family has given me that ability. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Kay and Lonnie's every month. Become a friend to Focus on the Family by calling 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Well, that sounds like quite a bit of construction uh, going on, doesn't it? And whether you're in the house working on a simple repair uh, or you've got something a little more complex, you need the right tool for the job. Today on Focus on the Family, we're going to talk about a different kind of handyman project, one that might challenge you as a husband and a father, but with the right set of tools, you can succeed. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I've admitted this many times, but I am not a handyman. Uh, That was never really part of my skill set. It was more like run when I was a kid. (laughs) And uh, I've never really learned a lot of the basic stuff, but I do have an outstanding tool chest in my garage. It's filled with all the right tools. In fact, I know my brother or brother-in-laws come over, they always go, wow, you got some amazing tools, like a circular saw. Never used it once. (laughs) But I've got it in my garage. But you've got it in case they want to use it. Yeah, they could start up a wood shop there in my garage with the stuff I've got, but it just makes me feel proud that I've got the tools, never really know how to use them. But that's the point. Uh, so much in our life is like that, right? We, we have the tools, but we don't know how to use them. And we want to talk today, particularly to men. I think women are going to lean into this too, to say, yeah, that's my husband. Uh, because it's the 80-20 rule. About 80% of us guys operate pretty much with the same kind of modality And there may be 20% that are outliers, but we're going to cover today why it's hard for us as men to do the things our wives want us to do. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And we've got two great guests to cover it with us. We do, and the context for our program today is uh, for healthy, loving relationships where husbands and wives and parents and kids generally get along, not uh, facing serious issues. That's right, John. And we have uh, many other broadcasts where... We address concerns about marriage or parenting, for that matter. If you're struggling in those areas in a deep way, I want to urge you to contact us here at Focus on the Mm -hmm. Family. We've got great Christian counselors who can help and even refer you to other counselors in your area. But today's conversation is more like Communication 101. Uh, We're going to do a refresher course to help us analyze what's working and where we may need some improvements, right? And by the way, Greg, uh, I haven't introduced you yet, but Greg Smalley, our uh, Vice President of Marriage, 
You did a great job with that assessment tool on marriage. It's free. People can go to our website and take it. We've had over a million people do that. That's a great success. Yeah, it's fun just to see couples understand where are they strong. So we're showing their strengths as well as a few growth areas. And it gives couples just a, a nice, easy, simple way just to yeah. focus on what, what, what can we do just to have a stronger marriage this year? Yeah, if you think about it, it takes five to seven minutes to do it. And if you don't have that much time for your marriage, you definitely need to call our counselors then. Mm. But what a great way to just assess uh, where you're at. And uh, obviously, I've introduced Greg kind of, uh, you know, around the bend. But his brother, Dr. Michael Smalley, is also with us, who's CEO of Smalley Institute in Houston, Texas. Good to have you, Michael. Thank you. Now, your dad, uh, you know, unfortunately passed away a while back. And but Wait, he, he did? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, no, He's yeah. in heaven. I now. remember. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, he must have been really proud of the two of you, that you both kind of followed in his footsteps, right? Yeah. I, I mean, think. he was more proud of me, but <laughs> I was but we're literally going to use that line. <laughs> I could see where you were going. I was. <laughs> it was. And you interrupted me. You could see where this is going it's like today. childhood all over again. <laughs> Don't you also have just a poor sister? <laughs> She, she she's our <laughs> oldest sister and yeah she 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 lives in Dallas Texas with her husband and family and when you guys get together how does she fare with the two of you oh I think she holds her own wins yeah. most of the time <laughs> yeah. yeah she's remarkably strong <laughs> maybe that's the next book about sibling that's rivalry right. yeah, that yeah. you guys well, need to in our family love language it's it's a kind of a slightly unpopular love language and I've actually talked with Gary many times trying to get him to add this one but the love language of sarcasm <laughs> yeah, right. is our family mode mm-hmm. so she hangs in there real well <laughs> yeah that's not typically one of your healthier love languages but I get it it's fun <laughs> Well, Greg and Michael have written a number of books together about marriage and family life, and they do have decades of experience, as Jim has mentioned, uh, counseling couples and families and speaking to family issues. And a few years ago, they wrote a book with the late Gary Smalley called Men's Relational Toolbox, and we have that here. Give us a call, 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, we're finally back to the toolbox analogy. It took me a while to get there, but uh, tell us why the toolbox is so good when it comes to the men's metaphor of marriage. Yeah, I think so many times it's easy to pick on men. It's easy to talk about our deficits, what we're not doing well. And we really wanted to write this book to encourage guys to go, God has given us some amazing tools to help us to be successful at work and and as a protector, as a provider within our family. And we need to celebrate those. those Those are important tools. And so we're not asking men and suggesting, well, you need to change. What we're encouraging them to do is just to add some other tools into their already full toolbox that will help them within their marriage, within their family, as they deal with relationships. We just notice there's some tools that can really, really help. And uh, Michael, let me aim this one at you. Uh, What are some of the stories or examples that you have about how men love and even revere their tools? Well, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, the 80-20, that 80% of men are generally the same. I am an outlier, so I'm horrible with tools, but men generally love them. The, you know, for me, the most important thing behind the book for me was to honor men to go like, I'm just, we got tired of hearing men being constantly bashed. And I say this all the time at, at my live events that look, men aren't dumb relationally. We do relationships different. That doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. Right. 
and where women can get in trouble trying to even relate with their husband is they can belittle how men are, how we relate. We're more physical. When you're on a little playground, you're going to see all the little boys. What are we doing? Wrestling, jumping around, tag. What are the girls doing? Sitting around, talking. And we do that all all the way into adulthood. And and so it, it's really just to make sure that guys understand you can do this. There's just some stuff that you need to add. Yeah, and, and it is a cognitive exercise because if we're just left to our mm-hmm. nature, the nature will be to run around the playground and tackle each other. <laughs> I mean, your wife isn't going to want to wrestle all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which we do. That's why men, we play. We're the ones, you know, in the parenting model, we're playing and wrestling and throwing. And The story of how we revere our tools, I think you had an uh, example of Robert in the book who somehow lost his tools. What was that story about? Yeah, someone actually found it. So I think someone came in and, and actually took his his prized tools. Out of his garage. Yeah, and he was so disturbed. He was so discouraged and depressed. And then another guy just randomly just finds this discarded tool belt. And, the, you know, the, the tools were taken and kind of brings that back. And they have this great moment of embracing. And he's all teary-eyed. And, <laughs> but the guy and, brought his belt Yeah, and the back. wives are like, are you serious? Yeah. Because, <laughs> Jim, the- I'm more like you that – I'm not particularly handy. And, and when our father did pass away, because we lived in the same neighborhood in Colorado, he I, I kind of got all his tools. Michael came and took what he wanted. But it's, if I got all these tools, I don't even know what they're for. I had a neighbor come over, and we're talking, and he spots something. He's like, oh, my gosh, where did you get this? And I'm, I'm, I don't even know what it's yeah, what for. What does it do? <laughs> and so he's rummaging, looking, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is so impressive. And he instantly then thought I was just this amazing handyman, and I never could work up the courage to say I really don't even know what that tool is. Yeah, I bought a router something. I think I'm supposed to cut grooves. What is it, John? It's not. I, I think it's just called a miter router. saw. Oh, okay, yeah. just a router. router. You, connect, you connect to the internet with it, right? <laughs> <The router. laughs> that I can handle. Problem. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned the God-given uh, tools that he gives to us men. Describe what a couple of those are. Just give us a description of what normally a man is gifted with. Yeah, I think one is a, just the ability to pursue and deal with facts and you know like when I'm talking to my wife Erin I mean I'm I'm listening so I can hear the facts what what do I need to solve fix just Valentine's Day a couple years ago I asked Erin okay so you know we're on a budget I'm going to give you x dollars you know, towards, you know, flowers, candy, a gift card. Do you want it all as a gift card or spread it out? negotiating here. So I'm, you know, I'm task, you know, oriented, focusing on the facts. And so she goes, yeah, just give it to me as a, as a, just one gift card. So I (laughs) fell for that because, and I don't know if Jim, if you remember this, but then she ends up at the grocery store right before we were going to cook a meal together at our home and she's standing at the register, looks and notices some flowers. Remember, she said that she didn't want. She buys them or is in line to buy them. And who would you know is standing behind my wife but one Jim Daly? <laughs> he looks at her holding flowers on Valentine's oh, Day and yeah, goes, I do remember this. why is the wife of my vice president of marriage buying her own flowers? So they <laughs> they still mock me to And you're this still day. here. So that's she a, was laughing, so see, I think I got, it worked. I got sucked in by the facts, by the yeah. you know the task, the, the problem solving, which is what we really do well. Which can be very helpful. I think men generally can 
can be great problem solvers because of that. Uh, men tend to be able to compartmentalize, which is also a good thing, right? You can't necessarily allow chaos in one area now destroy all the other things you're doing in life. So men tend to be better at compartmentalizing, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's not bad. Uh, but really, I think the heart of the book for me is is going, hey, you've married a woman. So <laughs> guess what? <laughs> There are things that we need to learn, but it's not about changing who you are as a guy. You well, should be honored as that. I can add to it. Yeah, and I don't mean this as an excuse, but we, because of our nature, we do need to develop that ability, and it takes thoughtfulness. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to us. I mean, if your wife is coming to you, you're not thinking, oh, let's go out and play some basketball in the, in the driveway. Although that would be awesome. <laughs> it would be great. <laughs> but she's looking for that emotional intimacy. Right. So how, how have you guys developed that muscle, that ability to say, okay, it's not about fixing a problem. It's not about collecting data. It's about being a good listener. That, that gets really tiring. I mean, your your tank for that ability. Okay, am I being a little too uh, you're being self-aware? I but it, I mean, it 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 drains you pretty quick because you're not wired for that. Yeah. So how do you compensate? How do you mentally go? Okay, I got to be in, fill up the tank, and go yeah. for this. And it's just recognizing that when I'm dealing with with my wife Erin, it just requires a different tool. So that that that's the point. It's not that I have to abandon what I'm so good at. It's just recognizing that. The other day, Erin asked me to help her move a chair into her home office is she's a counselor. So, so she needed this chair. And so, which sounds like a totally easy win for our marriage. Well, within seconds, we were in this big argument because I'm, you know, I'm take, I'm using the take charge tool. I'm using the problem solving tool. I mean, the things that I do really well. And she was already frustrated because she was late for an appointment with, with one of her clients and they had texted saying we're here. And so she had to run to the office to do that. And so she's just asking me to help her real quick. And, and so I'm just going, we've got to lift this thing over your desk. We can put it in there and we're done. And the chair just, it just, it wasn't working. So I'm telling her, I go, I'm lift with your legs. And she <laughs> shot me this look that said, did you seriously just tell me to lift with my legs? And that's, we got in this big argument in, in looking back, see the, the problem was I was, I was really using the natural tools. Well, in that moment, I needed to recognize that what she really needed from me was that understanding tool, that tool that's patient listener, that's noticing that she's already overwhelmed and frustrated. Something's going on. I could see it in her body language, but I was so trying to solve this problem of moving the chair that I missed it. So I think for 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 a lot of us, it's just recognizing in those moments that, that dealing with, with our wives is probably going to require a different tool. So what, what's going on? So which tool do I need to reach into the tool bag and grab? And I wish I could have done the whole patient listening tool. It right. just, I, it's just hard. I mean, we miss it at times. And I would, I would argue that Jesus does not give us an out on improving, on understanding others, on loving them in ways that are meaningful to them. And so just because I might not be naturally gifted, that's why that relationship with Christ is so huge because because of the Holy Spirit, right? I might not be naturally gifted at something, but because of Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in me, yes, you can become a better listener. 
You don't have to be whoever. I can't think of one famous good listener right now. (laughs) Well, but you know what you're saying there, Michael, is perhaps the very definition of why marriage is marriage. The the reason the Lord did it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is for us to be more like him, which means selfless and laying our lives down. It's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) It's like my father is a great example. He was a knucklehead. He, He was raised in a home with a Pretty this abusive. is why I was his favorite, by the way. Yeah, so, because <laughs> but, of those. Well, his, standards. our dad's dad, so our grandfather was a, kind of an abusive man, an alcoholic. They were very, very poor. I mean, he just he had zero example. So when he got married, I know that their first five years was rough, and it was like apparently my mother had some sort of come to Jesus conversation with him, like look. When he missed, you know, he would continually miss Valentine's to play basketball with junior high kids, you know, stuff like that, and not even be aware (laughs) that I have a wife. And so he, and and what we encourage everybody to do this, is he went on a journey to learn. And by the time I was born, he wasn't a hugger, he wasn't soft, he wasn't a physically affectionate kind of guy. That's not how he was raised. By the time I was born... Because he made the choice, and Jim, that's what I would probably hone in on, is he said, this is important. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Your marriage has 12 essential traits, and the Focus on Marriage assessment is designed to evaluate those traits and help you build a relationship that thrives. It's free and only takes about 10 minutes to complete. Based on the research and experience of Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, this assessment will help you and your spouse discover areas that are working well and things that could use improvement, like communication, conflict, and commitment. Go to FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment to get started. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment. Oh, hey, Mike. Got here as soon as I could. What's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on my marriage. Is it good news? Yeah. Our marriage is going great right now. I couldn't be happier. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a solid 5 out of 10. (laughs) Having a marriage that's just okay isn't where couples really want to live. Give yourself and your spouse an all-inclusive weekend where you'll slow your pace and focus on each other. Get more details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You know, Gary had such a great uh, observation capability. And I know one of the things that he talked about was the word usage between men and women. And many of us in the Christian community refer to that now. It's, it's become kind of just part of our vocabulary. But it was your dad that really honed in on that and described it here at Focus on the Family many times with Dr. Dobson. But speaking about how many words a man uses in a day, how many a woman uses, refresh our memory on that. Yeah, I think it's like women typically use about 30,000 words, and I think men about half of that, so about 15. Yeah. I don't know for me when, when I'm at work that in going through meetings and doing what we're doing here at Focus, that it, it is hard. I've used a lot of those words, and and it is hard to come home. And then I know that my wife so longs for me to reveal what's really going on. And that's why one of the first tools that we talk about is the open sharing tool. And that's because women so crave that, that, you know, God created us to know and be known. And it's easy for me to ask Erin questions and, and to know her. 
it, it's harder for me to be more vulnerable, to be more transparent and to be open in allowing her to really see what's going on inside. It's easy for me to answer, you know, when she says, you know, so how are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. And, and, and yet I've, I've learned that when Erin and I do have that opportunity, she wants to know me. And so I want to give her insight. And one of the ways that we've done this really easy, because that's hard, you know, e- even for the work that Michael and I do with, with couples and counseling, it's so hard for me just to be super enthusiastic about, yeah, let me just start talking to Erin. And what she's done over the years is she'll ask me, what was the high of your day? And then what was the lower of your day? What was the rose of your day, the thorn, whatever, pick your, pick your picture. But it's really good because that's helped me to then just describe, okay, here's what happened that, that was actually really good. You know, I, I had to present a, something to Jim Taylor and he actually liked it for once, finally. <laughs> or, you know, it was really hard. That's is, just fantasy, I by know, the way. <laughs> I was, I'm seeding this because I do have to make a presentation here shortly to Jim. So I'm just seeding what I hope he says to me. Hey, but just it, get to the point. <laughs> the point is that's a really simple way to use that open sharing tool is to ask each other what was the high of your day and the low of your day. Let me let me ask you this, Michael, and Greg certainly jump on, but the I want to hone in for the women about that compartmentalization that men so easily do. And I think that's part of our biochemistry. As little boys in the womb, we have the testosterone wash and it kind of, uh, you know, takes us in a certain direction. But one of the powerful things that we can do is we can compartmentalize. Yeah. You, World War II, if you ever talked to anybody that lived through that, that participated in that, those guys never talked about it. Right. They, you had to do that they to survive. They compartmentalized right. it. And, and uh, we do that in so many ways. We don't want to be that open about things because we just put it in that drawer and we don't open it again. How, how do we become more in touch with that so our wives feel like they actually know us? Yeah, I think it starts by being open to getting to know your wife, getting a PhD in your wife. Uh, That is critical because we are talking a lot of generalities, right? And I happen to marry a woman that's not very talkative, and I rarely keep my mouth shut. So we're kind of opposite in that. So for me to hear this program, right, and then just to run home and go, let's talk, chat, 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 that's not going to necessarily be meaningful for my wife. But when it comes to guys being able to put their feelings in a box, right, that they have to understand their wife is interconnected with everything. Yeah. Right. And so one of the mistakes both men and women make is we look at that and we just go, that's wrong because it's different. Right. Like, I don't do that. I can have this bad thing going on and I can put it in a box and keep it there and not worry about it. Your wife can't. So trying to be empathic about that, trying to be understanding about that, recognizing that, hey, if I'm wanting to engage intimacy-wise with my wife, it does matter to my wife that the house is clean. (laughs) As a guy, I'm like, I don't need anything to happen (laughs) just to to be with you, but it's important for her. So to have a heart to want to meet those needs, right? To be able to, I have a great time, like early on when we were married in Branson and uh, Amy was doing an intensive all day. And so I had the kids, but we'd already, I'd already kind of turned that crock pot on in the morning. Like, Hey, maybe tonight she was like, maybe, which guys don't be discouraged by those answers. Most women, they don't just, you know, men are Commit. like microwaves, right? We're like, we're on ready to go. 
And so my wife is definitely a crockpot when it comes to sexual intimacy. So by the end of the evening or by lunch, we talked. She's like, I'm actually excited about tonight. I'm like, woohoo! When I realized she was about to come home, I knew I have to have the kids in bed. And it was about 4.30. <laughs> so I'll never forget my oldest was like five. Yeah. And I'm putting him into bed. Daddy. He goes, but dad, the son's still. I'm like, quiet, boy. This is a very important time for me tonight. So I get them down. I run downstairs excited about an evening with my wife and realize it's all a disaster. Yeah. So I'm cleaning everything up. I'm actually spraying uh, ammonia into the air because that's a natural <laughs> aphrodisiac for my wife. <laughs> the smell of ammonia. I don't know why. Yeah. And so I'm spraying salt. that everywhere. And then I actually put the dishes from the sink in the dishwasher. Yeah, key. Wow, you turned it all on. out. And I can't make this up. This is honest what happened. So now I'm just ready. And I'm sitting watching ESPN <laughs> or something. I hear my wife come in the back by the through the garage, which comes into the kitchen. That's like the point of entry, right? And I'm like, oh gosh, what did I miss? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so all I hear from behind me is my wife in a sultry, very sexy voice say, and I quote, Is that the dishwasher? And I thought, <laughs> huh. I get the tone, and I like the tone. I don't understand the word. So I just kind of <laughs> stood up and played along with it. I went, um, yes, it is. She goes, that is so sexy. And I went, oh, well, I do have it on hot cycle. <laughs> <laughs> so those things matter. Well, we were obviously uh, having some fun in the studio with Michael and Greg Smalley here on Focus on the Family, talking about the book they co-wrote with their father, the late Gary Smalley. It's called Men's Relational Toolbox. Uh, John, one of the reasons I love the Smalley families because they are so genuine and open about their lives, and they have a great sense of humor, as we can tell. Uh, They're honest about the mistakes they've made, and they share good insights about how we can love, serve, and sacrifice for one another in marriage. And for the men listening, we really need to step up and learn how to communicate better with our wives. And we probably get, you know, tired of hearing that, but it's so true. And it's not hard to do. And Greg and Michael have gotten us off to a great start with the tools they've described today. And we're going to dig in even deeper on this subject matter next time. And meanwhile, contact us about getting a copy of Men's Relational Toolbox. Uh, it's an easy read, and I know you're going to uh, relate to the practical encouragement in the book. And if you can send a gift of any amount to focus on the family, we'll put a copy into your hands as our way of saying thank you for helping us to help others. And uh, this is such a great resource. Donate and get your copy today by calling 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. John, we've discussed marriage in pretty upbeat terms today, but we know there are husbands and wives listening to us right now who are struggling in a deeper way. And Focus on the Family is here for you as well. We have lots of resources to help you. And that's best illustrated by a comment we received from a woman, we'll call her Joanna, who asked to speak with one of our Christian counselors. Joanna said, my husband and I were going through a rough patch about three years ago, and then we found out I was pregnant with our third child. The timing was very stressful for us. We argued over everything. The focus counselor offered some godly advice about resolving their conflict and pointed Joanna to our marriage assessment, where couples can quickly learn 
what's working well and maybe what's not working as well. (laughs) And as a result, uh, these resources help Joanna and her husband get their marriage back on the right track. And today they are healthier and happier than they've ever been. And that's why Focus on the Family is here, helping real families find real hope, no matter what their situation may be. And if you've never supported Focus on the Family, let me encourage you to partner with us to rescue hurting marriages today. Uh, Working together, we can bring godly encouragement and hope to more couples like Joanna and her husband. So please be generous with your support of Focus on the Family. Contact us today to learn more about how to donate, uh, to take advantage of our counseling services, or uh, to find that marriage assessment that Jim mentioned. Our number again, 800, the letter A in the word family, or details are at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we continue the discussion with Greg and Michael Smalley, and once more, help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. God has given us some amazing tools to help us to be successful at work and in as a protector, as a provider within our family, and we need to celebrate those. Those are those are important tools. And so we're not asking men and suggesting, well, you need to change. What we're encouraging them to do is just to add some other tools into their already full toolbox that will help them within their marriage, within their family, as they deal with relationships. We just notice there's some tools that can really, really help. That's Dr. Greg Smalley describing how we as men can learn to communicate more effectively. And the good news is it's a lot easier than you may think. Greg and his brother Michael are back with us today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time we had a great conversation with Michael and Greg uh, exploring how much we men love our toolboxes. And the question is, do you have the right tools in the toolbox for relationship? And typically the answer is going to be maybe not all of them. And we covered the fact that we're pretty good at data collection, problem solving, those things that at one point are helpful, but at another point may frustrate your wives terribly. And today we're going to equip you with some additional tools, uh, building on the conversation last time, to help you in your marriage communication. That's the basic idea here. If you missed it last time, uh, get the smartphone app, get the download, go to the website and uh, listen to the program last time. And uh, it's going to be fun to once again talk with Michael and Greg about uh, both our strengths and our deficits as men. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the content is from the book they wrote with their uh, father, the late Gary Smalley. It's called Men's Relational Toolbox, and we do have copies of that here. We'll encourage you to get one when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Greg and Michael, welcome back to Focus. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Good to have you. And uh, let's just uh, quickly get a a little more depth on that review. Last time we did talk about those tools that, again, the 80-20 rule applies. About 80% of men are going to possess these. And 20% 20% uh, have different tools that they're born with. They're God-given, I would say. 
But uh, review those for us, Greg. What, what were those basic things that most of us men possess? Yeah, I think God has gifted us in so many ways to be successful as a provider, to be successful um, as a protector. Like I, I, I was with my, my youngest daughter. She's 13, and it snowed here in Colorado, so we were out shoveling. And I could see in our next-door neighbor some tire tracks because he gets up at like 5.30 every morning and drives you know, far to be at his place of business to provide for his family. And, and so we went over and shoveled his driveway because I was trying to teach Annie going, look, look, isn't that cool? Look there, he's getting up that early to provide for his family. What, what an amazing gift. And that's what God has equipped him to do. So he's able to get up that early and drive and do all that. Because again, those are strengths that, that we possess. We possess things like being good at, at, at hearing the facts and in in pursuing details to figure out how we need to solve something and we, we have a competitiveness and can do tasks. All those are, are amazing tools that help us mm-hmm. to be successful as that provider, as that protector. And we need to embrace those and celebrate those and, and that's a great thing. And all we're encouraging guys to do is to recognize those same tools that help you to be successful at work probably you're going to need to use a different tool. So it's not that those are bad tools that you've been equipped with, but what what would it look like to develop some of these other tools that'll help you be just as successful within and, your and marriage? And list those as you're talking. What are the six that you highlight well, in the I mean, book? For me, I would say the biggest takeaway from Greg's precious story is uh, – for you, Jim, that clearly Greg does not put a lot of time into his job here at Focus because <laughs> he can he can shovel everybody's yard, and so I'm just throwing it out there, just it's a green a light thing. idea. We it would be easy time. to replace him with another Smalley. <laughs> I, you could call me Greg. I don't even care. G, call him G Smalley. So, but to those six that you point out in the yeah. book, what, just for the listeners, say what they are. Yeah, there's one called the Open Sharing Tool. So this is recognized recognizing that that we need to be known. Our wives so crave to know what's going on on the inside. So when we answer, no, I'm fine, they want more. And so really developing that skill, the patient listening tool, learning how to really to feel with, to empathize with our wife and our kids. You I mean, know how scary that sounds? One. I know, <laughs> I know. But it's, it's, it's such a cool example in the Bible when Jesus got to Lazarus's family. And so Lazarus had died. And equipped with the natural tool to problem solve, Jesus shows up and, you know, he's going to ultimately raise Lazarus from the dead, which is the the greatest problem solving way ever. And yet I love what he models, that when he got to that family, Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. He cried with them. He empathized. He felt what it was like, even though he knew what he was going to do, why he didn't say, hey, everybody, it's me. I'm here. Jesus, just relax. But he took the time because people don't care what you know until they know that you care. That's my favorite Teddy Roosevelt quote. Yeah, no, and it's good. And, you know, when you think of the selfless honor tool, one of the most painful things I had to learn uh, in July of 2019, so this is fairly recently. You'll never be as good as your older brother? Well, was that the I mean, that's less, obvious. Okay. I didn't even have to learn that. I lived it. But this selfless honor, I, I want to encourage men. I, use, I genuinely believed that uh, I'd been asked a question when our marriage hit just a real critical crisis thing, and it just flat out got toxic. Uh, someone asked me 
that, you know, how have you done this? And my answer was kind of always the same of, well, I claim to love Jesus, so I need to lay down my life and walk the extra mile and love people when they're being difficult and blah, blah, blah. And my first coach to really help me in this time of crisis, he goes, would you mind if I pushed back on that? And I thought, you're going to push back on me wanting to be like Jesus? <laughs> All right, I'm in. You know, what's going on? He goes, I don't know if you've been doing those things to actually be selfless. Sounds like you've been doing a lot of those things to avoid pain. And I mean, I wept. It was like a Holy Spirit weeping. It was so convicting that I thought I was being selfless. I thought I was doing and trying to be like Christ. And then all of a sudden, mm. I have to recognize that, no, I may have looked selfless. I may have even sounded selfless, but the heart behind those things, those behaviors mm -hmm. towards my wife were really selfish and were really motivated to avoid pain. What a gift to be able to recognize that, though. Seriously, yeah. to, to see that and kind of wrap your mind around that. I yeah, mean, that's a great challenge from a friend. It is. And and it's painful to do that. But I just want to encourage guys, like we, we really do. It is about our heart. Um, let me go back for a second to the first two tools that are essentially talking and listening. Um, that's what we're getting at. I mean, is there anything... Um, that we need to know further about that struggle that we have to do these well. How do we mentally say, okay, tonight I'm really going to engage my wife with listening and with talking? Do you have to set time up to do that, Greg? How do you start a discipline to be able to do that better? Yeah, the research actually shows that that spending about 10 to 15 minutes a day exploring the inner life versus you know talking about tasks and to-do lists and who's going to do what tomorrow— makes such a big difference. So when, when instead of trying to have a business meeting with Aaron, which is easy for me to do, and I'm good at that. Again, that's one of those natural tools to come up with some questions that I can ask her. And I asked her this one time. So if, if I need to explore your inner life 10 to 15 minutes a day, what, what would I ask you? Because I was clueless. I was like, I don't know. And it was so good for her instantly. There was no pause. She said, well, I have four. And I went, well, guy, do you want to pray about it or think about it? She's she like, has. Yeah. She's like, I'll come up with 10 to 15. How many do you want? And so I, I'll take four. And she just said, if you were to ask me on a daily basis, how am I feeling? So what's going on emotionally? How are things going relationally between me and the kids? How are things going between me and my girlfriend? So friendships are very important to her. And then what's one thing God's been teaching you as of late? And so I'm telling you, I have... Those are so deeply rooted in my brain now that when we have some time, maybe over coffee in the morning or laying in bed, you know, after the massage that Michael was talking about, you know, those, <laughs> those that's a time when, when we can ask those questions. So ask your wife, explore that. What, what could I ask you that would help me understand better who you are on the inside? And I guarantee you most women instantly will, will have a question or two. And then just be committed to exploring that, asking that. And that's, that's really helped me to learn how to just be that, that patient listener with her. Well, and by the way, don't be embarrassed. It is not a failure of anything to have to find questions. We have questions in the book. It's okay to have conversation starters. That's the number one thing that couples requested at, uh, I did a big survey of all of our people at smallinstitute.com and they just, their number one thing 
they wanted were conversation starters. It's not a bad sign that you don't know what to talk about. I mean, you don't really learn that growing up. And with guy guy friendships and you're out hunting, we know what we're going to talk about. Killing things and the weather and, you know. Go, and killing you know, things. And, and killing things. <laughs> we kind of repeat the loop. In sports. We? Let's not forget sports. And, and so don't be afraid to utilize questions that are already there and that you can find. Um, just Google, you know, conversation starters or even Google deep questions to ask your spouse. Or I, I, I actually know, focus at your website. You have a ton of those kinds of things that it's okay to print that out. Put it on your phone. Go out to dinner and then look. The kind, and, and I'm telling you, my wife and I have actually had a lot of fun doing that because I've I've got a bunch on our website too, and a lot of them are just fun. It's like what you know, if you could be any Marvel character, which one would you be? <laughs> and and it sounds like a silly question. Now I am a Marvel fanatic, so everyone just back off. There will be no negativity. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so. You know, but it really can lead to a deeper understanding of your spouse, mm-hmm. even with some of the goofier questions. So that's where I feel bad for people sometimes is they, they sort of belittle themselves going, well, we shouldn't need this. It's like, what are you talking about? If you don't already know and you weren't born naturally gifted at something like my brother is at everything, <laughs> uh, I know. we need to learn. And so, pull, you know, having resources, printing them out, pulling them up on a phone – those are wonderful ways to utilize these tools we're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly, and today we're talking about uh, some of the concepts in the book Men's Relational Toolbox, written by uh, Dr. Greg Smalley, Dr. Michael Smalley, and their father, the late uh, Gary Smalley. And we do have copies of that here. We'll encourage you to get one when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. When a woman discovers her husband's struggle with pornography, she needs a practical plan. The latest book from Focus on the Family, Aftershock, by professional counselor Joanne Condi, will help you through the seven steps of self-care, and you'll learn how to deal with the emotions involved in the discovery of your husband's addiction. Let Joanne Condi's timeless wisdom give you hope even while you're in your own season of Aftershock. Learn more about Aftershock at FocusOnTheFamily.com store. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Greg, let's go into the win-win tool. What is it? It sounds good. Everybody's a winner. (laughs) But what is the win-win tool? Yeah, it's really recognizing that there has to be room for both people inside the marriage. And that took me a a long time to really fully understand. When Aaron and I would have to make a decision around something or we're trying to discuss something, I was always prepared to defend my ideas, why I thought, the way I think the solution lay out. And it was so good that sometimes it was like, I can't even remember who told me that, but it was kind of like, Michael, your experience when that coach 
kind of encourage you to think through the motivation. Someone said, you know what, when you and Aaron tend to, to get into these discussions, it seems like all you do is advocate for your side. And then she'll do the same thing. And then maybe you guys will agree on something. And and he just said, there, there has to be room for both. Both have to matter. And that's really the basis of this idea of a win-win. Just recognizing that, that this isn't competitive between Aaron and I. She's never my adversary. We have an enemy. And he wants to kill, steal, and destroy our unity, our oneness. And so we have to learn how to protect that as we go into making decisions, I say that to myself, Aaron matters. Well, an easy example is the lights in our home is one of our biggest irritations between the two of us, because I'm one of those people that I probably would never, ever turn a light on. You know, I'm like, there's plenty of natural lights or... What are you hiding from? I know. (laughs) I I, I hate pain, thinking in my mind that I'm pain, especially (laughs) if there's no one in a particular room. Why do we have to have every lamp, every conceivable light? There goes another nickel. But I had to realize that Erin matters too. And that if she wants lamps on in her home, even though no one's there, that that needs to matter (laughs) to me. That's important. And I told her, and I said, you know what? I'm done. arguing about this. It sounds like this is super important to you and that matters to me. And so I think that's the sort of attitude. Now, yeah. people are going to do obviously with much greater, you know, well, issues than a long, do we leave a lamp would, on or not? What I would add though to the win-win tool, and this is something again that I've had to really learn and just come to embrace. There's also a term called compromise to win. And we got to stop looking at compromising as someone's losing. It's no, I might compromise so I can get to the win. It's not a dirty thing. And by the way, and I don't know how all of your marriages are, but my wife and I could not be more different. I mean, really stark differences between the two of us. So the reality of us ever all, like consistently landing on a win-win is impossible. That's just not going to happen. We, have, we took this assessment that says how many perpetual problems you have. Oh my, I mean, it was like discouraging. We had like 48 <laughs> perpetual problems. Out of 50. Of well, at least you have those two. Oh yeah. my heavens. You and it, you know, it was like, wow. And so one of the things we've had to learn is it's okay to disagree and it's okay to compromise to win. And how does that work though? Because it, it feels like the compromise does necessarily mean somebody isn't going to be happy in, in this equation. It, it's a matter of mindset. Right. But kind of talking about Greg with the lights going, recognizing that, hey, it's not just about me. One of the things I like to say to husbands, especially going, man, the dumbest thing you ever did was get married. And they're like, wait, but we're at a marriage intensive. I thought you're supposed to be helping. I'm like, well, apparently you want the world to revolve around you. And unfortunately, when we choose to get married, that's over. It's not about (laughs) me anymore. It's about this woman I've married. And so now she, her needs are more important than mine, right? Her life is more important than mine. My whole job is to lay down my life and serve her. That's the biggest part of being a leader as a man, which means that I've got to allow lights to be left on. Now, I've seen Greg at night. I think he is right. It's just better for it to be darker with Greg around. <laughs> but, you know, I let myself go so right? she'll so, turn lights off. So I would encourage a man, John. Don't think of it as, oh, I'm losing something. Oh, no, you're winning. 
You're getting to serve your wife. You're getting to be more like Christ. You're getting to lay down your life. You're getting to be selfless and sacrificial. And that's the greatest win of all. Well, in fact, you had a story in the book about, a, I think, a guy named Troy that attempted to do that for a summer, if I remember correctly. What happened with Troy and his his good desire to lay his life down for the summer? Yeah, it's a great story because it illustrates he had plans that he wanted to do during the summer. He was a teacher, so he had some really cool things he wanted to do, but but she wanted to, to do some writing. And he recognized that he had an opportunity, that, that he could sacrifice what was important to him for her because of her value in his mind. Like he gets her value and he wanted to give up something for her. And, and, and I love that. And, and what he ended up doing, growing closer to his kids, I mean, he had the best summer because he focused more on what was going on at home. It freed her up to, to be a writer and it took their relationship to such a, a better level. I love it. it. reminds me of there's a George Eliot quote that says, what do we live for if it is not to make life less difficult for each other? And that, honestly, that quote is one of my favorites because I'm always trying to think, how can I make life less difficult for, for my wife, Erin? Even through COVID quarantine, remember like day one, she gathered the family and said, listen, let me be super clear. I can't, I can't cook three meals a day for this entire family. Someone else is going to have to step up. So we did the spiritual thing and cast lots, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I lost, and, and I became in charge of cooking mm. dinners, which I've just never done, because she's such a good cook. And so as, as I started to learn the, to do that and to cook more, here's what was so interesting, is that I found myself getting up in the morning starting to worry about what was I going to cook. Did I have the ingredients? Would I have to go to the store? <laughs> would they actually like? When would I have to start defrosting the meat? And, and I went to Aaron. I said, hey, do you, like, does this ever happen to you? Like, do you worry about this stuff? And she went, for 28 years, that's mm. what I do during the day is I worry about that. And it was, uh, I mean, if, if, if you could have seen it, there was such a big light bulb that went off above my head. Because all of a sudden I realized that, that Aaron had suffered alone in that burden, thinking about dinner. I had literally no idea. And what I said to her is I said, so from this day forward, I'm going to cook. You're never going to have to worry about this again. Because it's that idea that, that I have an opportunity to find things that Aaron hates or that, that, that she struggles with or that she's just flat tired of doing, especially alone, and sacrifice and jump in to do those kinds of things, to make life less difficult for her. And that, that's the idea behind that tool, is that we can employ that tool in, in like the, the teacher did. I mean, it just, it just was so cool how God then used that within his family. He was closer to his kids, and they were closer as a couple. Yeah. Let's end on this, because it perhaps is the most important tool, and that's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's what we're about as Christians. It's hard to do at times depending upon the severity of the treatment that we've received, we tend to calculate it, frankly, right? I don't know if I could forgive that person because they hurt me so deeply. But bringing it into the marital relationship, how do we learn to forgive deeply, not just in a token way? You know, Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. I love that idea of bear with simply means be patient with me. 
And you talk about tenderness, you talk about all these tools giving us the ability then to turn around and to forgive. If I'm willing to bear with my wife, to be patient with her, if I'm willing to to give her grace, which means that I see who she really is and not how she's showing up in that moment. And through that grace and in in patience, it keeps me open and it keeps God's love flowing through me so that I can then quickly forgive. But, you know, so often our pride gets in the way. You're right, exactly. Oh, the ego does. Yeah. And I'm I'm a simple-minded man. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. We weren't going to bring that up. And, okay. <laughs> and other allegories I could use. But I don't understand. We can't ask that question. Like, do I or should I forgive? This? Like, this isn't, you know, an idea. Jesus was like, you know, maybe think about it. Yeah, whatever. You're in you the do. mood. This is a command. And the biggest part of forgiveness that people have to understand is not for the other person. This is for myself. This is healing to me. Keeps you open. And, and yeah. so people get hung up on that idea. And it's like, well, this isn't an option. So how I tend to encourage someone is it's okay. Because, Jim, you said, like, depending on the severity of hurt that you're having to forgive— That is going to be a harder process. And so if you're at a place with your wife or husband or father, sibling, you might need to start at going, Lord, I know I have to. I know this isn't an option, but I can't. And frankly, right now, I'm kind of won't. So, Lord, would you even just give me the desire to want to forgive? We can start at that baseline. The Holy Spirit's going to come through right? He will. This is guaranteed. If you're willing to ask him for it, that is his will is for you to live in forgiveness. And then don't get hung up on how many times you have to forgive. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven if you're still hurting. That doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. And it doesn't mean that something's broken if you have to continue forgiving and releasing. This is a part of the human existence, right? This is that product of sin that yeah, I might have to forgive you a thousand times for this thing, and I'm going to do it because of the benefits of forgiving. Yeah. No, it's so good. And, you know, we tend to say this, John, often, but we're talking about the normal dysfunctional relationships. We're not talking about where someone's safety is in jeopardy, and mm-hmm. we want to make sure we say that loud and clear. If you're in that situation, you get to a safe place, and that maybe you get out of the house whatever you need, and, and certainly call focus, call for help. Uh, if that is the situation you're in. Uh, gentlemen, this has been so good. Michael and uh, Greg Smalley and your late father, Gary. What a great book, Men's uh, Relational Toolbox. And there's so much good stuff in here. And I hope people will contact us for a copy of it. Uh, support the ministry here at Focus with a gift of any amount. And we'll send it as our way of saying thank you for being a part of the ministry. Uh, Greg said it. I'll put the dare out to the guys. Get the book. And maybe, wives, you get it for your husband. And circle uh, the six tools, one of or two of the six tools that you would like your husband to think about. What a great way to start. Do it lovingly. Do it in a fun way, kindly. But uh, that would be a great way to start the discussion. And there's one purpose and one goal in all of this, so your marriage can reflect the character of Christ. And that's what we're about here at Focus on the Family. Guys, thanks for being with us. Oh, thank thank you you for having us. Yeah, it's an honor. What a great conversation we've had. And uh, I hope our heart here at Focus has come through. We want to help you in any way we can. And so if you're facing problems in your relationship, get a hold of us, please. Uh, if you'd like to speak with one of our counselors, we can make that happen. Uh, if you have a prayer request about your family, we're here for you. 
um, maybe you just want to communicate better because of a great resource like the book by Michael and Greg. It's all available to you when you call 800-A-FAMILY. I should note that if you can make a donation of any amount today to the Ministry of Focus on the Family, we'll say thank you for joining the support team by sending a copy of Men's Relational Toolbox. And if you can support our family building efforts on a regular basis, that would be wonderful. Real Families in Crisis are contacting Focus every day, and because of the generosity of friends like you, we can offer them real hope for the future. Please donate and get your copy of Men's Relational Toolbox when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. I should also mention that we have a free marriage assessment uh, to offer you a quick overview of what's working well and maybe an area or two that needs some help as uh, you build that stronger relationship with your spouse. Uh, The link is at our website. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. Mm